not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Zero radio show. We broadcast from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and are syndicated on the Community Radio Network. You may download our podcasts on the internet at either 3cr.org.au or bze.org.au or using any common podcasting app. My name is Nils and our co-host today is Michael. How are you, Michael? Great, thanks, Niels. And would you like to introduce today's guest? Yes, today we have two guests. We're discussing electric bicycles with Rebecca Lee from Rev Bikes and David Metzke from Dyson Bikes. Rev Bikes is located at Warrandyte near Melbourne and is a division of Revolving Energy Proprietary Limited. This is a growing business committed to assisting people to access technologies for a more healthy and sustainable lifestyle. RevBikes provides electric bikes and conversion kits designed to either start or keep people riding when they otherwise would not. Dyson Bikes is primarily an online store, however potential customers are encouraged to participate in a test ride at any number of demonstration events around the major capitals. And I think you have a network of dealers? Yeah, that's right, Michael. We, we have dealers across the country as well. For example, Dyson Bikes offered test rides at the ATA's Electric Vehicle Expo in Hawthorne in April, and no doubt there are other demonstration events planned. Once again, our guests are Rebecca from Rev Bikes, Rebecca Lee from Rev Bikes, and David Metzke from Dyson Bikes. Today, Rebecca joins us by phone, whereas David's here with us in the studio. How are you, Rebecca? I'm great, thanks, Michael. How are you? Good, good, thank you. And David, how are you doing? Great, thanks. Okay. We do like to uh, start these interviews. I find it very instructive just to find a potted history of people's journey to where they are on this sustainability curve. So perhaps, Rebecca, if you could just tell us how you became interested in electric bikes. Sure. Well, uh, I was initially electrified by solar power. Um, <laughs> by, uh, even before that, actually, I was a home energy auditor and uh, I trained a lot of people in that sector back when the Green Loans program was running. I was a state manager for a fairly large company, national company, and found that it was just the most satisfying life experience to be able to, I guess, use my psychology training, which is what I was trained at at uni, to be able to help people towards a more sustainable future, which is both satisfying for them personally and also for their hip pocket, of course. And I guess I I moved towards solar power as part of that position, and then I went out on my own and ran some community solar group buys and things like that for regional Victorians. I found that the solar industry was being a fantastic, great product, a fantastic lifestyle option. It's a very up and down business to be in. So it was very fluctuating with the rebates and so on and so forth. So I decided to try and do something that would complement solar energy while sort of picking up the slack in the slow period. So I realised that electric transport was the obvious solution for people to be using their excess solar energy to power their transport. Obviously, that's a 
a longer term view in terms of electric cars and fairly unaffordable for, for the average people, including myself at this stage. So I saw electric bikes as a great option having had one briefly about 10 years ago and yeah I think it's a great mode of transport the thing that I saw was holding Australia back was the lack of options available the lack of different bikes I could only choose really from men's or women's and blue or pink sort of thing and there wasn't much choice available for a discerning cyclist who likes to show their personality with their bike. I became aware you could adapt an ordinary bike to become electric. So I saw an opportunity there both to recycle old bikes rather than uh, just having one product go to landfill and have to replace it. It's obviously more sustainable. And secondly, that uh, we could create bikes with a lot more style and practicality for various end users. So, uh, yeah, I imported a kit, put it onto a bike uh, with some with some help, as I wasn't very bike savvy at that point. But we we experimented with a lot of different kits and different power levels, and just found that over the years, people have really been taking on the challenge of fitting their own bike with a conversion kit or having us do it, mm. because it actually allows you to keep the bike you're already comfortable with, or get something really stylish or practical to suit your purpose. And not everyone wants to ride on the road, so some people do want more power than the 250 watts, which is uh, your limit if you're riding on the road. Yep, okay. So, uh, yeah, that's my well, story. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Eve, for that. I, I had no idea your um, background was, initial training was psychology. David, over to you. What? Yeah. Um, how did you arrive at this point? Yeah, thanks, Michael. I got to the point of being an importer and seller of electric bikes through a little bit of a different path to Rebecca. So my initial training many moons ago was with electronics and I had a a hi-fi store and uh, looked after some electronics things there. So I have a bit of a background there. Then after a diversion, uh, I ended up in the automotive industry. So I worked for General Motors for around about 11 years. So mainly in the after sales side of the business and really learned a lot about how to sell a car, look after a car, and that sort of thing. But with the shift locally here from manufacturing and uh, the big changes in the automotive industry, I could see that that was waning and it was time to to shift into a new market. And with electric bikes, we saw that really offered a good opportunity. It's a growing market and it's something that's really useful and I can see that building into the future. So that's my path into the electric bike world. So continuing with Dyson, how many electric bike models do you offer? We currently offer four different styles and and within those there's some colour changes and so forth we can have but we have a range of folding bikes which are really handy for people who are on the move. We sell those to a lot of people who enjoy camping and and travelling and then we have our fixed frame bikes so they're better suited to people who who want to ride them every day. They offer a little bit better range uh, and a little bit more uh, solid and stand up to the rigours of everyday use. Mm. Is it possible to say how much an electric bike weighs or they vary too much? Uh, look, as a, as a rough rule of thumb, I'd say you've got to be looking at, for most bikes, around 20 to 25 kilos. It's going to depend on a few factors, but that's, that's a rough rule of thumb. There are lighter bikes out there and there are heavier, but from my experience, and Rebecca might be able to um, add a bit to that, but I find they're around about that 20 to 25 is quite a typical weight. How do you find them, Rebecca? Yeah, well, we sell kits that range in weight from 6 kilos through to about 
16 kilos for our 1,000 watt motor and battery combination. The bike itself, it really depends on the bike you have, but the aluminium frame bikes tend to weigh about your sort of 10 kilo mark and 15 kilos for the for the start-off start weight of the bike. I mean, we do do carbon fibre bikes too, so you can start with a very light bike and put a very light kit on and uh, end up with something about 15 kilos, it's possible, but the, the more common weight is probably around that 25, I'd say, yeah. Mm. We, we have done a folding bike in the past that was about 17 kilos. Yeah, that 20 to 25 at first sounds a lot, and, and people ask me, with my bike, how heavy is it, and feel it, and it, it is heavy, but on the other hand, you've got the electric assist to push that. The only time it really matters is if you're trying to lift it up and put it on racks or something. That, that's right. Yeah. When you're riding the bike, you just don't feel that weight. Yeah. It just kicks in and, and away you go. Um, it, it's the reverse, if anything. It, it feels like you don't have any weight underneath you at all. Mm. How far will electric bike travel? Uh, it'll depend on the, on the bike itself. Um, there, there are so many different factors influence how far the bike will travel on assistance. Mm -hmm. So the bikes we sell are, are typically the pedal assist bike. So it's really as the name implies, you need to pedal and then the electric motor will assist you. So the worst you'll get on, on one of our bikes is about 20 kilos. That's using assistance everywhere, carrying a lot of weight uphills. That's absolute worst case. 20 kilometres. Yes, 20 k's of assisted riding. But then you'll find on our larger bikes and a bigger battery pack, you can get anything up to 100Ks if you manage that properly. So that's using your legs to, to move you along and using a little bit of assistance. But it's really dependent on how you use it, how much you had for breakfast. All this uh, has an influence on how far you'll go. And I think that's pretty analogous to your kits too, isn't it, Rebecca? It is. I mean, we have a range of different batteries and capacities. So, for example, our road legal kits, um, our entry-level kit has an uh, eight amp hour battery, which is probably yeah, your twenty kilometres or so as a minimum. Of course, you can always double your range by using the pedelec systems more efficiently using mm. the lower power settings. And some of our longer range batteries are fourteen and a half amp hour, so you're looking more like a, a minimum of forty uh, k's uh, up to eighty or a hundred. Same as David's saying. Mm. How long does it take to charge a flat battery on an electric bike? You'll find well, that about it, three uh, hours. Yeah. Yeah, about three hours. That's about right. Most of them, you'll find you'll get about eighty percent charge after about two hours, and that's using most bikes today will use a lithium-ion battery. Our bikes use a three-stage charger, so the first couple of hours you'll get to about eighty percent capacity, and then it will drop down and trickle down four to six hours. A larger pack maybe up to eight hours to get to that one hundred percent. It just depends on the on the depth of discharge. It depends a lot on how out of balance the cells are too. So if you're regularly doing top-ups, then the cells will stay quite well balanced, where if you're taking the battery all the way down to the point where the controller cuts out power to the motor because your battery is dimmed down at critical level, and this, the charging will take a bit longer because you'll be balancing out the cells again as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Asking each of you separately, perhaps David first, how fast can an electric bike travel? Well, this is this is all dependent on the the amount of power uh, you can deliver to the motor. So the bikes we sell are, are designed to meet the Australian regulations. So they they come under two categories. The original standard was a motor that doesn't output anything more than two hundred watts. So realistically, you're looking at you know, the basic laws of physics are you're only going to get that bike up to 
around about 25 k's an hour using 200 watts. The other standard that is now in, in all states, uh, I think Tasmania in the Northern Territory, is the Pedelec standard, which is uh, a European regulation, and it governs that the bike must not provide assistance beyond 25 kilometres per hour. So the bike's quite capable of using that motor to get you faster, but it's governed to 25 k's, and, and then it remains a, a legal bike. Rebecca, I think, mentioned she has some, some bigger bikes and kits at That's uh, why I put her second. I know so. she has some more interesting options for off-road. Do you go yes. ahead, Rebecca. Yeah, well, we do have, of course, those same road legal motors that David's talking about, and we have experimented with running those with different controllers and 48-volt battery packs and so on, so you can actually get a higher top speed, usually with a higher voltage. But we have uh, some 500-watt geared motors that go about 38 k's an hour, and our 1,000-watt motors go about 48 k's an hour. So uh, it is a lot to do with the voltage. We have actually run our 1,000-watt motor at about 2,000 watts with a uh, different controller. You can run with larger voltage battery packs if you're sort of aiming to get towards a stealth bike or something like that, but for, obviously for off-road riding. We find that uh, we're, we're not entirely happy with the law the way it is, uh, and we would like to see people be able to travel closer to the speed of the traffic that they may be riding in. We actually feel that that's a safer way to ride in a lot of cases because cars don't take as many risks around you when you're travelling closer. I, I feel safest when I'm doing about 40 k's an hour myself. Mm-hmm. But of course, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that on the road. <laughs> All right. So again, if I could ask each of you, perhaps starting with you, Rebecca, continuing, how much does an electric bike cost for a consumer? To convert a bike to electric can cost between $1,200 and $1,600 for a kit. If you're happy to to do the build yourself, you obviously don't uh, pay anything for the service, but uh, we do charge around $200 for the conversion to be done to any bike. So the main difference in price is with the battery sizes. So even the 250 watt motors that we have with the large battery pack uh, go up to about $1,500. So it is a fairly economical way to do it. You've obviously got the cost of a bike on top of that. So you can spend whatever you like on a bike. We've done a couple of LD $120 bikes Mm. right through to uh, three grand carbon fiber or full suspension mountain bikes. So the cost of the bike is up to you really. Mm. So just to be clear for listeners, this is a cost for a kit to apply to a bike and it'll either be a bike you have sitting in your garage and weren't using enough or you go out and buy anything from a cheap bike to a very fancy bike. Over to you, David. What what do your ready-made bikes cost? Yeah, our bikes range from uh, our smallest bike, which uses 20-inch wheels, and, and it's a small folding bike. That one retails for uh, $1,390. That's a 250-watt pedal assist bike. Up to the top end where we have a fixed frame mountain bike which is uh, just under $2,000 with a 8.8 amp hour battery Uh, and we also have an option for that to go up to a larger battery and that takes it out to $2,149. Okay and ongoing maintenance on electric bike? The electric side of it is pretty much maintenance free beyond charging the battery and just keeping keeping that topped up as Rebecca mentioned before to look after the cells the electric side of it it really is maintenance free what you've got is the normal bike stuff so mm. adjusting the brakes keeping the chain lubricated that's really what you have to do the same as you would with any push bike to yep. to maintain it well and look after it but but that's really the only difference between a 
a regular bike and an electric. The, the only other thing, I guess, in maintenance terms is when you get a puncher, there's, on our bikes, really the only difference is you need to unplug the cable that runs from the motor and then the wheel will come off just as you would with a normal bike. So certainly no need to be afraid of uh, anything, any special conditions with an electric bike. Anything you want to add, Rebecca, on the maintenance? Yeah, just on that, uh, it does come out like a normal wheel if you do have a fixed axle with a nut. Uh, that you can't have a quick release dropout with a motorised wheel due to the axle needing to be fixed into the dropouts. And it's a, usually a thicker axle with flat sides, so it does lock into the dropouts and it can't turn because essentially what the motor's trying to do is to turn the axle. So the axle must remain stuck in the dropout very solidly so that it's the outside of the wheel that turns. So you do just need a spanner to be able to undo those nuts. It's not a quick release option. Mm, Which probably leads me nicely into the next question to you, Rebecca. What sort of bikes are suitable to be converted to an electric bike? Because I know that is one of the critical factors, that strength of the forks to, to take the torque of the motor, isn't it? Yeah, it is with your larger motors, definitely. We don't usually recommend putting the larger motors in the front wheels these days. We we found a lot of bikes were strong enough to handle the torque, and with your small 250-watt motors, you've definitely got no problem. Any any bikes will be able to withstand the torque of those motors other than carbon fibre. So we do generally keep away from carbon fibre because we figure if you've got a light bike, keep that for light road riding, and if you want an electric bike, you're probably better to have something a bit more sturdy than that. Any bike, really, we can overcome anything. So there are challenges to every individual bike. Some bikes are very good because they've got a nice open triangle so you can put a battery mounted in the frame there for our conversion. Yeah. Most ladies' bikes or step-through bikes, we have to put a rack-style rack battery on there, which is there's no drama to that, but it does leave the bike being a little bit top-heavy. So if possible, you can put the battery low down and central on the bike. It does lead to a bit more comfortable ride. We can put motors in the rear of virtually any bike, be it single speed, fixie, up to 10 speeds. So usually you would mount the gear cluster straight onto the motor if it's in the rear wheel. So you've still got all your gears and everything like that. We can fit disc brakes to the motors. We have brake cutout sensors which we can attach to existing brake levers so you don't have to change over your levers or anything like that to get the safety cutout happening with the brake. Some bikes just have a couple more challenges which are easy for us to overcome or our customers can call us to explore their options if they come up against that sort of thing. You've possibly partly answered this next question in in that answer but the skills required prior to converting a bike to an electric version and, and the skills learnt in the process Rebecca? I guess problem solving is one, lateral thinking. <laughs> um, there's, uh, I guess, having having the right tools on hand does help. Uh, in terms of the skills, you can, and we've learnt a lot of what we know from YouTube videos. So even if you're not confident on changing a tyre, you can find out everything you need to know about that by looking up YouTube. If you are doing a rear wheel conversion and you do have to take the cassette off your existing wheel, 
there's a bit of a knack to that and you do need some specialist tools. If you're putting a pedal X sensor on, you need to remove the crank or one of the pedals, the pedal arm included, uh, and you need a special tool for that. Um, if you do want to do the conversion yourself and you don't have those skills or tools, those two jobs can be done in about five seconds each at your local bike shop. So, And they wouldn't even charge you under normal conditions because it will take them literally five seconds to pull a crank off or a cassette off for you. So um, special skills, uh, I don't think so. We provide very um, detailed conversion guides. So we've had fairly beginner type people able to do conversions themselves. Mm-hmm. David, can you assure us no one will be electrocuted or start a fire in the unfortunate event of a collision with an electric bike? Yeah, look, it would be very unusual. Uh, you'd have to be, I don't know what you'd have to do to, to start a, a fire or, or be electrocuted. You'd have to, uh, I can't really think of a circumstance and that would happen. So. Well, I think the maximum battery voltage is 48 volt, isn't it, which is regarded as extra low voltage in the electrical standards. Uh, exactly. You'd have to uh, hardwire yourself in, I think, to, to electrocute yourself the with, a, with a bike. But uh, no, look, very safe. I, uh, I'm not aware of anyone being electrocuted or catching, on, catching fire uh, by having a collision. Uh, we had to ask. What sort of consumers find an electric bike appealing? The most common customer we have today is someone who's a little bit older. They've really enjoyed cycling through their lifetime and are just finding that you know maybe their health is not allowing them to get out as much as they like and they really want to be out there again. Like One of our recent customers, a really nice guy, he, he unfortunately suffered a bout of uh, leukaemia and was on his back for two and a half years and, and fortunately recovered from it. But then when he went to get back out and start cycling again, he just didn't have the energy to do it. So now he's got one of our electric bikes and, and is just really enjoying that ability to get out and about again and get on the, the road and enjoy the fresh air. So that's probably the most common customer at the moment, someone who's a little bit older. But also it's starting to graduate down to, like I'm, I'm about 40 years old, someone like myself who again wants to ride, wants to commute, but doesn't want to get hot and sweaty and sticky by the time they get to work. So that's where it's shifting. And I'm hearing people now talking about in the Netherlands, which is, I think everyone's aware, a really cycle-centric community. They're finding now even like school kids and that sort of thing are riding electric bikes. So it's really pervading through the every demographic. So yeah, I don't think it should be defined to any particular segment at the moment. It's just a matter of awareness and more people will find that there's just so many benefits to, to riding an e-bike. What about with you, Rebecca, and your customer base? Is that pretty much your description or are there variations? Uh, I think there's some variations with us because we do the overpowered motors as well. We do find that the older audience make up a fair part of the market with the road legal options because... I guess the older people are a little more conservative and wanting to obey the law and things like that. A lot of our customer base do go for larger motors though and we are finding that they're people wanting to commute to work to, as, as Dave was saying, don't want to have to have a shower when you get to work. Um, we're also seeing a lot of people who the fella might really enjoy going out for a ride on his bike but uh, his partner may not be able to keep up, may not mm. travel um, at an appropriate speed for them to be able to go together and both enjoy themselves. So we get a lot of a lot of customers who the lady ends up getting a kit on her bike and we do actually then experience the uh, <laughs> the strange scenario where the fella then comes back and wants one on his <laughs> bike too. So that <laughs> I think they end up, up in the same situation again. <laughs> so, yeah, we are, we are getting a lot of younger people these days. I think there's definitely the more the people who are looking to save costs in households and move towards one-car households like we do ourselves here and 
be able to complement, you know, one car with a, an e-bike or two, or even tricycles, which are also useful to be able to go down and do some shopping and things like that. So, um, yeah, we do. We are seeing a, a larger a growth in in the, I guess, area of people with um, an illness or a disability too. So we're getting quite a few customers who want tricycles for the stability or recumbent for the, the, the comfort and the ease of riding position and those sorts of things. We're actually doing a side-by-side -side tricycle for Brinbank Bicycle Education Centre uh, at the moment. So mm. that's a, a trike that uh, a carer can sit next to a, a less able-bodied person and they can both pedal on the bike and they both hold the same handlebars. So okay. uh, very interesting. Are there legality um, issues with that? Uh, as far as we've been able to establish under the law, that it's still considered a bicycle. So huh. whether it's a tandem bicycle or tricycle doesn't really bear any yep. significant impact under the law. Um, you are still limited to the 250-watt power output, though. So you got a much heavier bike with two people on it. Unfortunately, the law doesn't say, well, you can have more power so long as you're capped still at the same speed limit. So unfortunately, they're going to have a harder, a harder time taking off. But they do have two people, hopefully, able to help somewhat with that. Mm. So, continuing on that, how popular are electric bikes in Australia? You've just gone through quite a few of the demographics. Have you any way of yeah, saying? I don't, I don't know exactly how to say how popular they are because I find myself surrounded on a daily basis by people yes. who love them. <laughs> or yes, I might be buying You're in an electric there. bike bubble. Uh, what about you, Dyson? Uh, yeah, I think it's hard to quantify at the moment. It's definitely still growing enormously. You look at some of the usage in, in the European cities and they're, it's, they're just everywhere, or particularly in, in China. China has over 100 million e-bikes there. It's just an enormous market there. In Australia, there's probably about 1.3, 1.4 million regular bicycles sold every year. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would hazard a guess that there would be probably somewhere between 25 and 50,000 electric bikes sold in Australia. So I think if you look at a percentage... Per of, annum at the moment. Per annum, yeah. I mean, and, and there's there's no statistics on mm. that. You, th there's no way to, to find that out at the moment. But that's just just uh, my guess, my, my uh, uneducated guess. <laughs> okay. What sort of trends do you expect to see in the market for electric bikes? I think just more awareness. I think people are just learning more about them every day. We still, many customers or many people we speak to just aren't aware they even exist. So I think that just awareness is the biggest trend. There's already, due to the regulations, there's there's not much change in what you can do with the bikes. Battery technology is improving. Controllers are improving. The way they can hide them so they, they're not as, as big as they were, that's a big trend. But I think really awareness is, is the is the big thing we've got to get out there at the moment. Mm -hmm. And Rebecca, have you any comments on the market trends? Uh, I feel that the market has been trending towards some mid-mount motors, especially in the uh, factory-made electric bikes arena. So your Bosch motors and impulse motors uh, rather than hub motors. So these are mounted uh, where the pedals go through instead of in the axle That's of right. the wheels. That's right, yeah. So it's a different sort of setup, and you do get a bit more torque through running the motor through the gears on the chain. Um, so it's a different sort of setup. They are quite a bit more expensive, but that's one type of technology that's uh, that's sort of 
improving the options available here. And there's also... Um, is that, sorry, Rebecca, is that, a re- is that a retrofitable option? No, not really. Yeah, no. has, has, the bike has um, to be designed with it. There's some available right, which yeah. you can use through the, the bottom bracket, but I, I don't know whether they're so successful. They're really more... De- the dedicated systems work a lot better mm. and they're, they're yep. designed yep. in the bike. And Sorry, I interrupted That's you, Rebecca. Right. Continue. That's okay. Um, there's also some very sneaky motors coming into existence which ride down the seat tube and actually operate secretly onto the bottom bracket. So um, you can actually hide it in a road bike and have essentially having the motor running the pedals. So I'm not familiar in, in all the details of those motors, but they have been starting to check bike in racing scenarios to make sure they haven't been fitted with some of these sort of secret motors. So for the discerning rider who doesn't want to be seen to be riding electric, for those people who are still thinking there's a stigma around electric bikes or think that it's cheating or these sorts of outdated attitudes that people when they're comparing it to cycling rather than comparing it to driving a car have some sort of opposition to electric bikes yeah those sort of people can also be uh be able to get on board if they don't want anyone to know about it very interesting (laughs) rebecca where can people find out more information online about rev bikes uh, we have our website and a shop on the website as well. So it's rev, R-E-V, hyphen, bikes. So that's a, a minus sign yep. in between the words rev and bikes and uh, .com. Uh, we've also got a Facebook page, so you can uh, you can follow. We post a lot of pictures of the conversions we do up on there, so you can find Rev Bikes on Facebook as well. Hmm. So rev-bikes.com or the Facebook. And what about Dyson Bikes? Uh, yes, we, we're at, uh, online at dysonbikes.com.au, so it's D-Y-S-O-N, and then bikes, B-I-K-E-S.com.au. Uh, likewise, we're on uh, Facebook. Even if you just Google Dyson Bikes, you'll, I mean, you're sure to find us. Fantastic. Well, thank you both very much. You've been listening to the Beyond Zero radio show brought to you by the Climate Solutions Think Tank, BZE. You can find out all about what we do by visiting our website, bze.org.au. Thanks again to our guests today, Rebecca Lee from Rev Bikes and David Metzke from Dyson Bikes. Thanks, Michael. Thank you very much, Michael. Have an electrified day. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.